Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. So imagine if we started to change the conversation around young women getting their periods for the first time instead of, you know, creating this relationship with it as if it's a burden, if it's something that they need to dread every month. But what if we told them that this is your most powerful superpower that you're ever mm-hmm. going to have in your life? Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so thrilled to share this guest episode with all of you today. We are diving into hormones yet again, but we are talking about them in a whole new way. Today's guest shares with us why our hormones as women are our superpower, how our emotions, our past traumas, our stress that we experience on a day-to-day basis, how it affects our hormones, how it affects our physical health, and how much our hormones in general affect our physical health, how they affect how we feel on a day-to-day basis, how the different phases in our cycle we can either be supporting or not supporting, and they can affect how we feel everything from how we feel physically in terms of our energy levels, as well as how we feel emotionally. And we talk about how tapping in to all of these different areas, understanding our hormones, understanding our bodies, and understanding our stories, understanding the stories that society has told us about ourselves, understanding what we believe about ourselves, and learning how to question whether things are nourishing for us or not nourishing for us, and learning these little simple practices that we 
can do to nourish our bodies better, to honor our bodies, to honor our emotions, to tap into the superpower we have as women just by learning the importance of our hormones and our hormone balance. And so we talk about everything from the science behind the different hormones that appear in the different phases of our cycle to how important it is to take the space that we need to take time for ourselves, to reflect, to why it's so important to nourish ourselves with lots of really great food and how we can use food to support our hormones as well. So we tackle so many different topics in this episode. Dr. Sonia's approach is so unique and so beautiful, and I know that you all are going to love hearing from her. So for those of you who don't yet know Dr. Sonia, Dr. Sonia Jensen is a naturopathic physician that has a mission to change the way women understand their bodies and themselves. She believes that women are the center of their families and communities, and therefore by supporting them, she's creating a ripple effect that will support the whole. Dr. Jensen is a mother of two boys, an author, a yoga teacher, podcaster, a workshop and retreat leader, and runs her practice with her husband where they help their community move into a state of thriving from surviving. Her background in cell biology and her lived experience with Ayurvedic medicine in her home has given her insights into the human body that help her to serve the women and families she works with from multiple different lenses. She's the co-founder of Divine Elements Health Center, the Longevity Lab, and the Health Ignited Academy, along with her husband, Dr. Nicholas Jensen. Dr. Sonia believes it's everyone's birthright to live a happy, healthy, joyful, and abundant life. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Sonia Jensen. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. Oh, thank you. It's an honor just being here. Oh my gosh. I know that my listeners are going to love this topic. We are going to talk about thriving as women. We're going to talk about hormones. We're going to talk about our inner power. There's so many good things we're going to talk about today. But before we dive in, I love to do a fun little icebreaker. Um, So what are you reading these days, Sonia? I'm actually reading a book called Someone You Love Is Gone. So it might sound kind of dark, but it's such a beautiful story. And that's that's the fictional novel that I'm reading. Yeah. Oh, cool. I love when, um, I, I especially love asking authors this question, mm-hmm. but I love getting a fiction answer too, because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's that's one of my favorite ways to kind of decompress. I read so much for my job and reading a beautiful fiction book is just a great way to escape. So I love that. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, my nonfiction is the dark mysteries of the moon that I'm reading right oh, now. That sounds a really, really cool too. Beautiful story of the history of women. So yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, that perfectly ties into our conversation today. Mm-hmm. So, so my listeners, they've already heard your bio, but I really want to just dive in to your story in your words. You go into your story in way more detail in your book, Woman Unleashed. Um, but I, I really want you to share with my listeners where your passion for helping women thrive physically, emotionally, kind of where this came from and yeah. what your journey was like. Yeah, no, thank you. I, so I started off studying cell biology. And after I graduated university, I just always knew I wanted to do some form of helping others. I didn't know what that looked like, but I was always enamored by the physical body and how powerful it can be. And I started actually going down the route of massage therapy because I really wanted to work with my hands. And then one moment I called the wrong 
number and I ended up in naturopathic school because I called that school and I started asking them questions and everything about it just felt right for me in that moment. And at that time, again, I thought I was going to do more physical medicine, even in my naturopathy um, training. But what started to happen is as I started to work with women in clinic, then now this was like back in 2006 and 2007, I started to recognize that they were mirroring for me what my life would look like 20 years from now. And I started to really self-reflect because a program like that kind of forces you to really look in the mirror. If you're going to help somebody get to a certain place, you yourself really have to match that energy or be able to really help elevate another human. And the only way you can do that is if you self-reflect. So as I started to self-reflect and started to understand that I've been living this life that really wasn't meant for me, I've been holding on to these old stories and beliefs and this conditioning that my culture, society had put on me and put me in a box. And at that moment, realized the relationship I was in at that time, I was married, just wasn't right for me. And I went through this whole process of going through a divorce, which was a huge deal in my community, being first-generation Indo-Canadian. And that took me on a journey of um, living in Southeast Asia for a couple of years and just really uncovering some of the wounds that I had been carrying for so many years that I had no idea were dictating all of my actions. Like I had a big T trauma happen when I was quite young and that didn't unveil itself until that time. And as that did, I started to recognize like, wow, my whole life, I have been navigating through that lens of not feeling safe, not feeling enough and not knowing that I could trust, I could trust myself or the world around me. And that started to show up in my physical body as PCOS. It started to show up as an inflamed uterus, as really heavy bleeding. And as I started to work with women too, I started to recognize that these stories and these masks that we wear or these roles that we take on or these coulds and shoulds influence our physiology, which then influences our personality, which then influences the actions that we take in our everyday life, which changes everything. It changes our entire life, how we relate to ourselves, our partners, our friends, our children. It just changes all of it. So I just knew that this is a message that really needs to go out into the world so that we can start connecting those dots. Mm, oh my gosh, so powerful. And as someone who has struggled myself with a a lot of hormonal imbalances and also um you know a lot of personal emotional struggles and traumas i can very much relate to starting to make that connection between hmm maybe some of this that's going on in my physical body isn't just about the physical right so much of it yeah. is also about the the emotional and the things we've been through and those expectations of our society so i i love your approach it's really it's really unique in that you really weave kind of the science of hormones. So hormones are one of the main things you work on with women, right? Mm -hmm. So um, weaving the science of hormones as well as kind of connecting women with their inner selves, with their inner power, with working through these past experiences. So I just kind of want you to give us an overview of, mm -hmm. I think you kind of just did, but maybe dig a little bit deeper into why yeah. is it important to both connect with your with understanding your hormones, mm -hmm. your physical body, but also understanding kind of your your emotions and your past experiences and all that. Why is it important, yeah. I guess, in living a truly, truly healthy life? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think the story really begins um, for a young woman to start really understanding her physiology, because the more we understand about ourselves, the more empowered we feel. So imagine if we started to change the conversation around young women getting their periods for the first time, instead of, you know, creating this relationship with it as if it's a burden, if it's something that they need to dread every month. But what if we told them that this is your most powerful superpower that you're ever mm -hmm. going to have in your life? You know, like this is the thing that allows you to create life if you choose. And so I think if we start to really change our, that conversation, it changes the relationship to that and it changes everything. We then step into the world with that foundation of feeling empowered and knowing that as a woman, I am worth being here. It just changes how we relate to all of it. And the more we understand about how hormones work, the more grace we can give ourselves. So often women will come to me and say, you know, the first half of my cycle, everything's great. I feel good. Love my partner. Everything's going well. All of a sudden, there's a day in that month where everything changes, mm -hmm. where I'm emotional watching a commercial, where I can't stand the voice of my children, where just the presence of my partner is creating irritation. So imagine what that's doing to her inner world and that inner conflict, her relationship how she sees herself, because now there's going to be guilt and shame and all these layers. But what if we understood that the first half of our cycle is dictated by estrogen and then testosterone? So that hormone is all about doing. It's all about being out there and more extroverted and you have more energy and you, you have this capacity to just do more. Whereas the second half of your cycle, progesterone reigns. And that hormone wants you to, to be wants you to be more internal. Your libido will go down because now there's more, no more testosterone in your system. And then knowing that there's certain things that will affect that flow, that rhythm throughout the month will tell you, okay, I'm feeling irritable. Okay, well, what did I do this month that maybe changed how my estrogen and progesterone are working? What did I eat? What toxicity do I need to release? What emotions are coming up for me right now? And what are they trying to tell me? It takes away that heavy backpack that we all wear thinking that, again, we're not enough or there's something wrong with us, the more we understand who we are. And when we start to understand how important the thoughts that we have, the role that they play, like we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts every single day. Wow. And often we attached to the ones that are negative or the ones that are putting us down or the ones that are showing us the gaps in our world. And the moment that happens, and that happens for a reason, because the brain is trying to protect you always. The first priority of your body is to help you sur survive, not thrive. So you know, when we've had an experience, it doesn't have to be a big T trauma. It could be the micro traumas as we're growing up. And that could be maybe not feeling heard, or maybe you're the youngest and you just felt like you were, you weren't seen, right? Maybe there was things that you were doing and your parents were too busy providing for you and still loving you, but maybe you didn't receive the love that you actually needed as a unique individual. So what your brain does in those moments is it starts to um, scan its environment, the sounds, the sights, the smells, and the feeling. So it starts to really um, implant or imprint that whole scenario into your system. So if there's a trigger when you're older, say you're cooking some food, that you know a smell triggers a moment or a memory of your childhood, mm -hmm. or there's something that you watch your brain automatically wakes up and the amygdala is like, okay, guys, where have I seen this before? Where have I experienced this? Then it'll ask your limbic system, hey, what emotion is tied to this? And then it goes to your hippocampus where your memory is stored. And then they start talking to one another 
And then they tell your hypothalamus and pituitary gland, hey, she needs cortisol, adrenaline. She's in danger. This doesn't feel good. We got to run away Mm -hmm. from this pain, do something. So now cortisol is rising and adrenaline is rising, but your other hormones that I mentioned before, like progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone, they have to take a back seat. They are Mm -hmm. not priority. So we run on this system with that cortisol adrenaline, probably 98% of our day. If you think mm-hmm. about when you wake up, when you have young kids, like you're getting your, the lunches ready, you're getting them ready for school. Like you do, you're thinking about work and there's, there's all this stuff going on. So if you're doing that for a continuous, like years and decades, that is when the symptoms really start to wake up and show you that, Hey, how we've been operating is it's not working for us. We need to change. Mm, oh my gosh. So powerful. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that the whole time because it it is how freeing is it to recognize that this is just that the way that we're feeling is often it's I, it's both hormonal it is just it's normal that we're going to feel different ways throughout the month we're going to feel different ways physically we're going to feel different ways emotionally and that is normal because we do have this cycle that has different phases and i know that i grew up thinking that it was just your period and then the rest of the month. And there is so much more to that. And so many hormonal changes go on throughout your body. You know, that difference between the estrogen and then the progesterone, which one's higher and how we might feel. And then that it, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense. I can like, I can imagine because I have taken anatomy and physiology, it's been a while, but I can kind of imagine going through the body that that, you know, that cascade of reactions, even from something as simple as a smell, something that triggers us. And I can completely understand that feeling. And I'm sure the women listening can too, many of them at least, of feeling like we're constantly, constantly in this place of stress yeah. or constantly, you know, having that high cortisol, that adrenaline and living off of that. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that this can happen over time. I think sometimes we think that we're just going to like instantly notice these and we might, we might notice some of those things, the differences in our cycle. Like you mentioned, what is different this month than last month, but these things can build up over time. This stress can build up over time. And then we start noticing those symptoms. I know that was true for me. I put my body through a lot of stress for a number of years, really not nourishing myself well, not nourishing, not giving myself enough food over exercising all of these things. And then I ended up with a PCOS diagnosis, which now is no surprise to me in the way that I was, you know, showing up and treating and lots and lots of stress. Um, you know, showing up and how I was showing up and how I was treating my body for a number of years. It makes sense to me now. But then yeah. I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> like, yeah. And so I, I think that it is really, really powerful to understand that these things are not uncommon, but knowing that, no, then we know that we can start to create some changes. Yeah. And the um, key thing you said there also for um, listeners to understand is that hormones are messengers. We mm-hmm. often think they are to blame, but they're just responding to our environment, right? So yes. if our environment is one of chaos and stress and toxicity and trauma and, and all the, you know, the foods we're eating and all these things, they are going to influence what your hormones communicate to that organ and what needs to happen in your body. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm really glad you pointed that out too. Cause I, I do, I think we think of hormones as being something that is almost static. Like your hormone levels are here at certain times of the month and they're here at other times of the month. And 
you know, and we just kind of have to deal with it, <laughs> but understanding that they are, they are responding consistently to our environment, to those things that we bring in, whether it be stress or food or toxins or whatever it might be. So yeah, no, it's, I think that's a really, really important distinction. So there's something that you talk about in your book, and I think now is a good time to kind of talk about it. And I found it really interesting, and I think it's it'll, it's going to be really helpful to piggyback on kind of what we're talking now in terms of the stresses of everyday life. You know, like something like ninety percent of my listeners are moms, um, and this is just by our surveys. They're ninety eight percent women. We know that <laughs> they're about ninety yeah. percent moms, and yeah. you know, many of them are just you know living that everyday kind of crazy mom life. And you talk in your book about this triangle of disconnect, and mm. so these patterns patterns that we might be living by as women kind of based on these standards that society has set for us that really are just you know things that are and I'll have you explain it really but the things that are sort of assumed great. about us based on yeah. society so can you can you talk about this can you talk about these patterns yeah. a little bit and how and as we've been talking about this kind of weave it into how this might be affecting our health yeah absolutely so you know when as moms, and this is something that I noticed for myself too, that children really do start to mirror the things that we need to work on, right? Mm -hmm. I noticed that for myself as, especially as my oldest, so mine are now 10 and seven, but as he was going through his stages, his various stages, I would get triggers of my own story, depending on where he was. So the moment he turned eight, I had this whole body reaction happen and I had no idea where I was coming from and then realized after it was because of my, that big T trauma that I experienced mm. at that time. So just for listeners to really understand that, you know, often because moms and children are so interconnected. I mean, they've done mm. studies where they've seen that they leave their um, tissue inside of us and that tissue morphs into our heart, into our lungs, and they literally mm. become a part of us. And that's where we can feel everything that they can feel. So discerning what's theirs and ours is so important. And with that triangle of disconnect, what happens is we get really disconnected from our own essence throughout our lifetime, because we may be born understanding that a little bit, depending on, you know, mom's pregnancy and mom's history and the generational stuff that we're kind of carrying. But over time with different experiences, we kind of get further and further away from that. So I believe that all dis-ease and discomfort in the world is because of disconnect, disconnect from ourselves from others, from source, from however we connect to that bigger vision of who we are. I believe that's where all of it comes from. And these archetypes that are created, so there's the duchess, the damsel, and then the diva. So these archetypes have two polarities to them. So there's like that polarity, um, you know, maybe like we can call it negative and positive. So they're not good or bad, but they just are because we got conditioned to step up into these roles or put these masks on depending on our own unique story. So for example, the Duchess, she is the one that needs to be in control. So she's often like the head of the household. She's the head of her business, like the CEO, super, super organized, more of like type A personality gets everything done and really is on this track in her life where her external world is looking really great because she's gathering or like her success or her definition of success is being met from the outside, but her internal world, there's chaos there. 
she can't come down from that high that she has to be on all day. So she's often suffering from insomnia, from this pure disconnect from her body where she can't even sit down and listen to what's going on. She can't sit down and chew her food, you know, because there's not time. So often she's going to have some sort of IBS or discomforts in her body that she just can't pay attention to until sometimes it's not too late. I never like to say that, but until something starts to really wake up mm -hmm. inside of her. So her strength is her capacity to step into action. But her weakness is also her capacity to step into action. It's kind of like that warrior archetype that we all have within us, but she's so stuck in her yang. She's so stuck in that masculine energy that she's lost touch with her femininity. She may even have fertility challenges and have to do IVF. Like So all these underlying things are going on because she's had to maybe create this facade or this role and put on this mask because maybe when she was young, something happened that was out of her control. So now her conditioning is that in order to feel safe, in order to belong, in order to be okay, I need to make sure my environment is one that I know and is familiar and I can control. And then you go on to the damsel who um, usually looks at the gaps of everything, right? She's Her mind is very protective because maybe as she was growing up, her voice wasn't important. She wasn't seen. So often this woman, because she doesn't really have that capacity to say no, her superpower is saying yes, yes, yes to everything. So she's volunteering, she's helping her friend out all the time. She's just, she's just there for everyone. But on, but what happens is she then loses touch with herself because she can't take care of herself because she has to take care of the tribe always. So often this woman will have challenges with her thyroid because she's not voicing who she is. She may even have something bigger show up like a cancer, because again, she's the yes woman, right? She's not really tuned in to what her body needs. And then you have, so again, I'll go towards her gifts before I move on to the diva, but her gift is bringing the community together. I mean, she's like the center of the community. She is the one you want to lean on when you're having a challenging time, because she's going to really listen. She knows how to listen and have empathy and compassion. But her job now is to fill her cup up so that she can be there for her community. And then you have the diva whose, you know, life is perfect from the outside. Everything is about perfection. Everything is positive. And she has a really challenging time looking at the pain or the shadow of what she maybe has gone through or is going through. So she's going to do everything and anything to make sure everything is in perfection. So when everything is in perfection, it's often, again, because we didn't feel safe in some moment. Mm -hmm. So now she may grow fibroids or cysts or have something like endometriosis where her body is just not feeling tuned in and safe in where she's at in her life. So she's had to pretend a lot. Right. But her inner world is probably something look, looking so different. And there's so much internal conflict there. So her gift really is she is just so expansive and she's going to elevate every single person around her because she can see the bigger picture. She can see the vision, but she needs to first create that vision for herself in a way that's aligned with her internal world so that she can actually tap or tap into that personal power that she has. Mm, oh, it's so beautiful. I know that I can, rec can recognize different parts of myself in each one of those. That's <laughs> right. And that's the but, key, really. Yeah. I think we carry all of those roles in different mm -hmm. parts of our day too. Like maybe at work, you're the duchess, maybe at home, you turn into the damsel or the diva. Like there might be different components, mm. but if we tap into the polarity, that's going to help us thrive. Like imagine what we could do in our world. Yes. 
Yeah. Mm. You, and you described me almost perfectly with the Duchess too. I'm like, Mm. I have struggled with IBS. I've struggled with perfectionism and, you know, having a lot of internal struggles, but wanting to, you know, have everything right on the outside. So I very much, very much understand Mm. that. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's such a good reminder that, there is so much more to our physical health than, you know, just, I mean, it's so important to move our bodies, to eat the right Mm -hmm. foods, to remove toxins as much as possible. But recognizing that what you do, I think so beautifully in your book and in your work is helping us get to that internal place and go, where is this coming from and why do we feel like we have to show up like this and and giving us the tools which is important because i think it's once we recognize that it's like well then what do i do <laughs> so yeah. so what do we do when we recognize yeah. our archetype when like me i'm like oh yeah that that the duchess is i, I can mm. recognize parts of myself in each one of those but i have i can very i can very much understand that that duchess archetype so where do we go from here where do we go with understanding okay this might be how I've been conditioned to be. And so maybe they've been struggling with these health health issues. Where do we go from here? What is the next step to starting to heal and to starting to optimize our health? Yeah. I mean, you said the first one, the first one really is awareness, right? Having that awareness of like, okay, how I'm operating isn't working for me. And what can I do to shift that? And knowing that now we're starting a journey, right? We're starting a journey of self-discovery. So it is a journey that takes time and patience and understanding that it's not going to happen overnight. I find if we first look at the physical and strengthen ourselves a little bit, it then gives us space to really tap into the emotional and understanding the why behind all of it. So what I um, see for many people is just that practice of allowing space between a stimulus that's in our environment and the response that we're having. So really working on that in-between space and you beautifully said it with questions. So -hmm. what you do is you start seeding questions. So when you're in a moment, things are feeling chaotic, and you're operating a certain way and you recognize, you become aware, like, wow, this, this, this is amazing. Like, what, what am I doing? You ask yourself questions in that moment, like, okay, where, where is this coming from? Who does this belong to? Whose story am I carrying? And what is this actually about? What am I gaining from doing this? And what am I losing? Because the moment we ask a question, we are now out of our emotional body because we're often operating from emotions, always right? The moment we do that, we come out of the emotions. We're now hovering over the experience. We're now observing ourselves. And then you start to understand, oh, wait, this isn't working for me. So now what can I bring into my life? That's going to give me some space to understand myself even more. So maybe if, maybe there's no option right now, because you are a leader and you need to step into your duchess. So maybe you bring in time in your day that gives you time to self-respect reflect and slow down. Because if you're on hyperspeed all the time, you have to counteract that Counteract that with maybe just going for a walk in nature. Maybe it's meditating. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's just having a gratitude practice in the morning. And it gives you that moment to, again, strengthen that gap between the stimulus and the response. And the more we strengthen that, the less we um, react, the more we're actually responding to life. And then when we start to exercise that space of being more tuned in, it just becomes easier and easier to shift out of it. And then what we're doing is we're now 
unraveling that circuit that's been there for so many years and creating new circuits. And now we're creating a story in our mind. Oh, I am worth those five minutes in the morning. Oh, I can shift in a moment. If you think about virtual reality, right? Mm -hmm. And all that motion that comes up when we're in, like, say you're, you have those glasses on and you're standing on a cliff and you have all these emotions, you take the glasses off and you understand that, oh, I'm not actually there. We can switch out of that, right? Mm -hmm. If you start to really observe yourself, we have the power and capacity to switch from one emotion to the other, just like that. Mm -hmm. But it's the matter of tapping into it. So I find nourishing myself with questions and asking myself these questions creates that pause moment to then reflect and then bring in tools that I need to strengthen that gap, to strengthen that bridge between the outside world and the inside world. Mm, oh, I love that you call it nourishing yourself with questions. I love mm. that because I can I can very much imagine that, you know, that almost hovering above the situation instead of and and being able to take yourself out of that with questions. It's so mm. simple but so profound that we can tap into that that part of ourselves and go, "No, I'm just going to observe this." And ask where this is coming from and whose story I'm telling, whose story am I living, who's I think it's, yeah, it's, that's so huge. I really love that you talk, um, you talk about space being so, imp this, this space being so important for our hormone health. And I know for myself and many of my listeners as moms, it feels like we have no space. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. no space, but we need that space. We need to yeah. make that space. And I love those simple examples you gave of things that, you know, I might need to do that someone else might need to do. And for me, something that um, I've had to kind of come to terms with is that not just that I need this space, I understand that I need that space, that I need to take space emotionally, that I need to take space physically from the busyness of the day. But I've had to kind of learn that it doesn't matter when I do it. So for me, I, I, I try to do a gratitude journal practice in the morning, um, but sometimes it doesn't happen because sometimes we sleep in or sometimes there's a kiddo who has, you know, extra needs in the morning, whatever yeah. it might be. Sometimes we have to leave the house early and it just doesn't happen. I can always do that at lunchtime. I don't mm -hmm. have to do that in the morning. My perfectionist self is like, well, then I just lost that, you know, that really positive part of my routine I have every day. But I'm like, I need to kind of reframe that and go, I can bring that space back. It doesn't have to look a certain way. The key is having that space. The key is learning when I'm having these emotions that I can take a step back and I can ask questions about it and that we can incorporate these things in our everyday life. And I think that is that is the thing I try to get out with my every single guest that comes here on the podcast. I'm like, okay, so how can we bring this into our everyday? Because yeah. we're busy and life is hard and we want to balance our hormones and we want to balance our emotions. But how can how can we bring this in? And you so beautifully shared that it is so essential, but that we can, we can bring this in to yeah. Our everyday simply by starting by nourishing ourselves with questions and doing those yeah. kind of little practices. Hey friend, interrupting this episode with a quick message from our newest partner. I know that as a mom, it can be easy to throw on the same pair of leggings and t-shirt every day and call it a day. And I have nothing against a good pair of leggings and a solid t-shirt. But I know I feel better when I feel a little bit more put together. And something I've learned is that one of the simplest ways to upgrade an outfit and make you feel good as a mom, even in the simplest of outfits, is some great jewelry. 
Jewelry always fits, and it always makes an outfit that much more special. But I know it can feel like an expensive upgrade, which is why I love companies like Ana Luisa, who have beautiful, high-end jewelry at mom-friendly prices starting at only $39, with a mission to help the planet along the way. Everything from the eco-friendly, carbon-neutral packaging to the jewelry itself is beautiful and feels luxurious when I go to put on my jewelry in the morning. I recently chose a few pieces to uplevel my daily outfits, and let me tell you, I am obsessed. You might have seen me on Instagram wearing my adorable gold mama necklace, which I wear on the smallest setting, so it's almost a choker, usually layered with another gold necklace, as well as the adorable gold huggy earrings, which are tiny hoops that fit closely to my ear so I don't have to worry about them falling into my food when I'm cooking. I honestly wish I had a pair of them when my kids were really little and loved to grab at my dangly earrings, and I swear I didn't wear earrings for years. And finally, I have loved the trend of wearing several rings on different fingers for so long now, but I didn't have any rings and I didn't want to invest in crazy expensive rings, which is why I love Ana Luisa's price points and their beautiful dainty gold Sierra and Stephanie rings are perfect. And they're giving Healthy Balance Mama podcast listeners an exclusive 20% off discount so you can go shopping too. Go to shop.analuisa.com slash balancemama to enjoy 20% off their entire site. That is shop.ana. A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash Balance Mama to enjoy 24% off the entire Ana Luisa website today. I will put links in the show notes so you can shop really easily. You guys, this sale is too good to be true. 20% off is an incredible sale on top of their already awesome prices and it won't last long. So head to shop.analuisa dot com slash Balance Mama. Now, back to the show. So I'm wondering, I I think the question that I really want to ask is what are some of the things that you see with the women that you work with, kind of the, maybe the biggest mistakes that they're making when it comes to Mm. hormone health, other than maybe not giving themselves that space? What are some of the biggest mistakes you see them making? Um, And maybe some of your suggestions for, for shifting those things. Yeah, absolutely. So before moving into that, you were touching on something really important there. I think the big challenge with women, especially moms, is um, I don't think we're taught to receive well. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to ask for help. Sometimes it's hard to communicate to our partner like, hey, I need literally two minutes, even if it's in the bathroom, that give me some space to do something for myself. I remember there was moments where I would look, I'm just going to the bathroom. You guys are good. It's all good. And I would see little fingers coming from underneath the door. (laughs) I was like, you know, I can't even get one minute to myself. And that's when I started to really incorporate this. I'm like, and that one minute is enough. But I really had to communicate that to my partner so that he understood that this is so important because happy life, a happy wife equals happy life, right? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to plant that seed of receiving and for women yeah. that are listening to reflect on, okay, am I capable of receiving mm-hmm. or have I been taught that giving is more important than receiving? And then, so that is one of the mistakes that we actually make is not communicating our needs clearly. And I have a friend um, who often says to be kind is to be clear. So example, this morning, I wanted my husband to take the kids to school. So instead of saying, hey, could you take them to school? I posed a question. Are you taking them to school? That is not clear communication because that opened a door for him to say, oh, do you want me to? Well, of course I want you to. That's why I'm asking. And he pointed out, you didn't ask me. You asked a question. Mm. Yes. 
So I, I do feel that mistake in communication we sometimes make with ourselves and with others, and then that blocks us from receiving the gifts of that moment. And then when you get to more like logistical things, um, again, I'll speak to motherhood because I'm in it with you guys, mm -hmm. especially when they were young, I find moms will eat, you know, the leftovers from a kid's plate and do these like little things that aren't nourishing her. But it's like, you know, she's not considered priority. She's considered worth the leftovers when we're doing mm -hmm. something like that. And in that, we're now disrupting our nourishment. We're disrupting um, the nutrients that the body needs for it to thrive. And one of the big things is, you know, I'll ask moms how, what they're eating compared to what the kids are eating. Oh, the kids get organic this and this and this. I'm like, what about you? Oh, no, I don't eat that. Okay, you need to eat organic food because those pesticides that are on or sprayed onto their fruits and vegetables mimic estrogen in your body. So if we're eating pesticide-filled food every single day, it's now creating a gap between your estrogen and progesterone, which will then translate into irritability in your last half of your cycle, heavy periods, challenges in perimenopause because of that extra gap and that estrogen dominance in your body. So mm -hmm. taking care of your gut health is number one priority and that nourishment that you get from your nutrients. The other thing is sleep, right? Mm. So what happens and this happened to me when my kids were younger too, I would be with them all day and finally get them to bed. Maybe it's like nine or 10 o'clock. And then I'm like, okay, now it's my time. And I would force myself to stay up because this is my time and I'm taking mm -hmm. my time, not realizing that that extra, you know, those extra hours, especially between nine and 11 are so important for sleep. Cause that's when melatonin rises. Mm. The moment it's past 11 o'clock, melatonin drops, cortisol is now going up. And now my circadian rhythm is off and I'm going to feel worse off the next day. So I didn't actually nourish myself. So then seeding that question, is this going to nourish me? Staying up later, is this going to nourish me right now? Is it short-term gain or is it going to be long-term gain? So asking yourself that question. So now we've covered foods we're eating, how we're sleeping, and then simply how are we moving? Right. So giving yourself those moments, even if you have to have it stack and you have your infant and your baby Bjorn in front of you and you're doing calf raises or you're going for a walk, something that's going to create some stability in your body. So, again, you're increasing testosterone, you're increasing growth hormone, you're increasing these hormones that actually really help you thrive while you do these really, really simple things for yourself. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that you're keeping it so, so simple too, but it, it does feel doable when you, when you share that. And I know that so many of the moms are listening and they're like, yep, I, I, or they're realizing that they are just giving themselves the leftovers. We actually had a sleep expert on the podcast a few weeks ago as well. Um, when this episode airs, it'll be a few weeks ago. And I was actually talking about my own struggle with staying up too late because that's like, you know, the only time my husband and I have to hang out together, we actually both work from home. And most of the time we're working in the same house together, but we are, we're, you know, other than, you know, occasionally we'll have lunch together. We don't really see each other. And so, you know, the kids go to bed and, you know, we want to stay up, but I am an early bird and I wake up early in the morning and that's like my time for me. And so we were talking about ways that we could find balance in that. Cause I know I need to get to sleep because I feel it. If I get to bed later, my husband's okay getting to bed later because he also sleeps in later. I kind of do the morning routine with the kids most of the time because he just doesn't, he just isn't a morning person. And it is one of those things where I've had to 
admit the that you know I'm not I'm not nourishing myself in this way. I'm really not. You know, as much mm. as it's nice to spend time with my husband, we need to find that middle ground because I'm not nourishing myself. And then I wake up the next morning feeling rushed and tired and irritable. And I'm like, this isn't how I want to show up. So I love that all these things are their questions. Again, we can, we can ask ourselves, is this nourishing me? Mm-hmm. I love that question. I love continuing to, to go back to that question. So I want to, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about food too, because we love talking about food here on the podcast. I'm actually a trained chef, so I always bring it back to food. So in terms of nourishment, in terms of food and our hormones, what are some of the simple ways that we can nourish our bodies really well for that optimum hormone balance throughout the month? I know you, you mentioned, you know, getting rid of the, um, non-organic, produce Mm -hmm. as much as we can to avoid those pesticides, to avoid that estrogen dominance? What are your other um, kind Mm -hmm. of simple ways that we can nourish ourselves with food? Yeah. So we call ourselves a qualitarians. So always making sure the quality of your food is what's going to serve your body because food is medicine and Mm -hmm. our relationship with food is very complicated as you probably know and teach. And so you know, recognizing first that relationship, am I using it as nourishment? Am I using it as distraction? Am I using it as a way to protect myself? Just sort of understanding that relationship is really important. And when it comes to hormonal health, really understanding your constitution and understanding your rhythm. So if you're menstruating women, there's different needs that your body has throughout the month. So the first part of your cycle, so for example, when you're menstruating, you're probably not that hungry. And yet we sometimes force ourselves to eat more because we think that's what's going to nourish us in the moment. But often during that time, you want to have more soups and stews and things that are really easy for the body to digest because our priority in those couple of days is detoxification. So -hmm. things are going to help allow more of that detoxification is really important. And having like, you know, the fibers are really important. So you're allowing just binding of some of those excess toxins that maybe we accumulated throughout the month, whether it's the products that we're using, or like we were talking about the pesticides or just our environment in general. So doing that during those few days, and then when you're in your follicular phase, which is right after you bleed up until ovulation, when estrogen needs to rise, you want estrogen, estrogenic foods that are like really high in healthy fat and protein. So you want to have more of that kind of diet around that time. And ovulation, you start to bring in more of those healthy carbs, like yams and really rooted vegetables, again, depending on what season you're in, right? Mm -hmm. And where you live, like really taking into account all the different variation that's in your environment. And then, and also in those last two weeks of your cycle, you may notice that's usually when cravings show up for carbs, for chocolate, for all the different things. But if you ate in rhythm, if you did include some of those like really healthy carbs in those two weeks, you won't have cravings for the processed foods. If you recognize you know, magnesium is no longer in the soil as it was before. Minerals really aren't. So making sure you're taking a good mineral supplement so that you're not craving that chocolate. I mean, a little bit of dark chocolate's not going to hurt anybody. It's actually mm-hmm. quite nourishing for the soul. So you can ask yourself that question and then feed yourself that no problem, but just recognizing that there is a rhythm throughout the month and we need to create more variation in our diet and not have mono diets because we want to feed this biodiversity in our gut. 
because in our gut, we have a certain number of um, bacteria called the estrobolum that are solely in charge of detoxifying estrogen from the body. But if we're not feeding them well, then they are not going to be doing their job well. And then that mm. estrogen recirculates into your system, creating those heavy periods, creating the fibroids, creating the cysts, that big gap, creating mood changes. So like depression and anxiety, if we're not supporting that gut with the right nutrition. Oh my gosh. So cool. And such a great, simple overview of some of the things that we, we can be doing. I love that concept of the, the mono diet, because I know, I think that thankfully I am kind of forced to eat a large variety of foods just Mm -hmm. because I, I develop recipes. And so I'm recreating new recipes all the time. Um, but I can definitely, when I'm not in phases of creating recipes, I can definitely recognize that I get into a phase of eating the same things every single day. And, you know, forgetting that knowing that, you know, nutrients are important. We eat lots of produce, lots of fruits and veggies, lots of healthy fats, but we, you know, we still tend to eat kind of the same foods over and over again. I think a lot of people are in that same, that same sort of rhythm too, but instead making that rhythm, recognizing, okay, what part of my cycle am I in and how can I nourish my body with, you know, the second half, I, I need more of those carbs. And then maybe I don't feel like I need to eat an entire tub of ice cream two days before my period. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's really empowering. It is. Yes. Yeah. That's the perfect word. I think all of this is so empowering, recognizing, and just that we, we do have, and going back to, you know, what you said in the beginning about encouraging our, our kiddos, the next generation that our girls, that this isn't something that our cycle, that our period isn't something to dread that, you know, the fact that we are women is so powerful. We can tune in and tap into these different phases within our cycle. These are different needs that we have. We have such power, you know, in our emotional capabilities. There are so many things. And I think so often we think of it as being such a burden, like, oh, I'm a woman. So I have all my hormones change throughout the month and I have to, you know, I have to have a period every month and it's such a hard thing. But instead of looking at it like that, going, no, actually I can do so many things to, to nourish myself in different ways and kind of, and tap into that. So I really love that. Yeah, I think it's also important to teach the men in our lives too. Yes. And I'm raising two boys and they mm-hmm. are very aware of my cycle and all the things that I do so that I'm, my hope is as they grow up that they see women around them and young girls around them and they respect what's going on for them and they understand like the wisdom that a woman's body carries with her. Yes. Yeah. That's such a good point. It really is because, you know, there's a strong likelihood that they will grow up and have a relationship with a woman too. And you want them to be, you know, supportive of them, or maybe they'll have girls themselves and obviously in the other women in their lives too. I'm really grateful that my husband has always been somewhat open to me sharing about my hormones or hormone changes, or he hasn't been super, um, I don't know, squeamish or anything like that about, about this discussion. Maybe it's just because I've been very open since Mm. the early days we've been together for almost 13 years now. So at this point, and now he has two girls and to him, it's not a big deal. If we talk about Mm. this, I've been talking about um, my cycle or the different phases of my cycle with my eight-year-old and my four-year-old there too. But with my eight-year-old um, for a couple of years now. And she's still sort of like, you know, I'll, I'll tell her, you know, like I'm, I'm having my period and she'll be like, Ugh. 
I'm like, well, this is going to be you in a few years. So (laughs) you can can feel like that now, but I'm just trying to, you know, instill that in her, that this isn't something weird. This is actually something very natural. Mm -hmm. Um, And my husband just sits there and he just kind of listens and he nods along. And, and so I think, yeah, it's so important to raise our boys that way too. He also has a sister, (laughs) so Mm. that that could be part of it as well. So yeah, I think it is. It's so important. So, so one other lifestyle practice I want to kind of touch on is you talk a lot about, and you mentioned this earlier as a practice too, you talk a lot about meditation and yoga throughout your book as well. So meditation has been something that's been a struggle for me just because I I am, I am, I'm the Duchess who's constantly going mm. yeah. <laughs> and it's hard for me to slow down. It's hard to slow down my mind. It's hard to get into that sort of a practice. Yeah. So can you speak to why, you know, this can be really powerful and maybe some suggestions for, sure. for where the woman listening might start to incorporating this and how, maybe how it can help her hormones too. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like defining what meditation is. I think often there's a misconception that we're going to sit there in silence for several minutes and then it's going to be pure bliss. It's Mm -hmm. not. When you're doing real meditation, it's really when you're unraveling and you're unveiling and you're giving yourself an opportunity to just uncover some Mm -hmm. of the things that are showing up for you in life. And depending on your personality, your constitution and what you need, meditation is going to look different. So meditation is also movement. So for you, because if your mind is always on, I always suggest doing more movement meditation. So that's either through yoga, walking in nature, dancing, something that's going to bring you out of your mind and into your body. So you're going to need something that's a bit more grounding. And that in itself is meditation, because what meditation is, we're changing the biochemistry in the body, we're changing the circuits in the brain, we're activating certain parts of us that's going to create a process of healing. So it's basically activating your parasympathetic nervous system. So sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight. That's that cortisol adrenaline that I was speaking to in the beginning. Parasympathetic is our rest and digest. And that's where all of our healing and recovery happens. And that's really where the magic happens. We should be there 98% of the time rather than in that sympathetic. So meditation is an opportunity to remember what that feels like. Because we all know We've all been there, but it's more of a remembrance. So I find using mantra, so using words, because what the words are doing is they're vibrating your tongue on certain parts of your palate palate that are going to um, send signals to certain meridians in your body to create an effect. So that's how it actually does invoke the pituitary gland to release those thriving hormones into the body. And this has all been studied. You know, they've um, they ho- they've hooked up monks, they've hooked up other um, meditators up to these scans to see the changes in the brain. And what they see is that there's more gray matter in individuals that um, have a meditation practice. They also see that their frontal lobe is larger, and this is where our you know, our brain here is the one that's going to discern things from the environment. Mm -hmm. But what you see is people that don't meditate, their back brain is um, larger. So their emotional body is larger. Mm -hmm. So what meditation does, it activates that pause in between that I was speaking to between the stimulus and the response. And again, meditation can look different. Maybe you need to use mudra, which is using your fingertips to activate certain Mm. parts. So you're doing something, you're not feeling like you just have to sit there in stillness, but you're actually actively doing something. You're saying something, you might be doing a visualization. You might be walking while you're doing all of that so that you can instill a different framework. Mm. Oh, I love that. That is so helpful for me. And that reminded me of, uh, 
there was a, a mudra that I did in a yoga class I used to take regularly. They would, uh, the instructor would do it at the end of class, but we lived in, we lived in Toronto several years mm-hmm. ago and there was this beautiful yoga studio that I used to go to. And yeah, there was a, a mudra that we would do with a mantra and I'm like, Oh, I can do that. Well, the and way I you're moving that, your hands is probably yeah. Satha Nama. Yes. I don't know if yep. that's the yeah. one that it was. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I think I could do that. And I, it's mm-hmm. been so many years. We haven't, uh, my daughter was a baby when we moved from there. So it's been almost eight years since we've been there. I'm like, wait, that was something I could sit through. It was only a couple minutes at the end of class. We would do it at the end of every class. And I'm like, I could, I could do that. That does. Yeah. And so I, I love that those options for those of us who might have a hard time sitting still, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can, yeah. I, I really, it makes so much sense that really the purpose of it, I love that you brought that science into it too, is yeah. to, to take us into um, the different part of our nervous system to allow ourselves to get into that rest and digest mode. And mm-hmm. so so yeah. important. But what that activates is your progesterone because mm. progesterone turns into cortisol every time we need it. So the more we're in this parasympathetic and the more we bring ourselves into that state, the easier it is for the progesterone to actually thrive and not get, mm. and not get so depleted. Oh my gosh. That makes so much sense too. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And that, that's all, that also affects the estrogen dominance too, because sometimes it's, we have too much estrogen. Sometimes it's that we have too little progesterone or both yes. right yeah, yeah absolutely and for progesterone for women to understand too that's our total like anti-anxiety hormone mm-hmm. it's the one that it activates receptors in our brain for GABA which is that neurotransmitter that just helps us feel really at ease and at calm and we need more of that in that second half of our cycle mm-hmm. so bringing in that meditation practice in those weeks is so important mm. oh I love that oh my goodness so so many great tips and practices. And this has just been so incredible. Um, I would love to have you tell us more about your book, Woman Unleashed. I am very grateful to have a copy that I've been able to read and I'm just going to dive deeper in. It's the type of book I feel like I'm just going to keep highlighting and making notes and um, because it's, it's so great. So can you just share a little bit, a little bit more about it and just how it can further help the listener and the reader to find healing? Yeah. So the book really is about self-discovery. So the subtitle is release your story, revive your hormones and reclaim freedom. And that last one is so important to me to instill into women is to really find freedom from your symptoms, from the chains of society, from the conditioning that has been handed down to us from generations or even now in our world today. And the more we unravel all of that, the more tuned in we become to ourselves. And I do really feel like we are the first relationship of every human that's on this earth. So if we're centered and steady, so will the rest of the world be. And what this book allows you to do is to uncover some of that for yourself. So you learn about your hormones, you learn from, you know, starting from the womb, what hormones are doing and what can affect them. And then you're getting tools in every chapter too, to kind of go through your own story as you move through the book. So it really does give you a guide. And plus it just gives you moments of reflection to understand yourself better. So you can step into life just a little bit differently. Mm, so beautiful. I love that. And like I said a couple of times, it's so unique. It's so different than any other book that I've read. You know, there's so much about hormones in it, but like you said, it is so much about self-discovery and really weaving everything that we've talked about today, weaving the the science and the emotional side of things, and then those really practical practices too. So I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, so I have some fun little rapid fire questions. I like yeah. to call dessert at the at the very end that I love to ask. 
ask. Um, but before I do, can you just share where my listeners can connect with you more, where they can yeah. find your the work that you do and where they can find your book? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, my handle is Dr. Sonia Jensen across the board on any social media and it's drsoniajensen.com for the website. And you can get the book either on womanunleashedbook.com or Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Indigo, wherever, wherever you want to support. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll link in the show notes, we'll link all of your information and your book and everything. Oh my goodness. I am, I'm so excited to share this conversation. It's, it's so, so great. So to just kind of finish things off, I have a few questions. I like to call them rapid fire, but you can take Mm -hmm. as long as you want to answer them. Uh, The first one, I'm always curious um, because you're a doctor. I can't wait to hear your answer to this one. So first question, coffee or tea? Tea, always. (laughs) Are you a no coffee for hormones or some coffee for hormones? I'm curious. We didn't ask this one. (laughs) Yeah. So what coffee does, it it actually blocks your ability to detoxify estrogen in the body, Mm. like the caffeine component. So if you change the coffee, if you're getting like a good sourced coffee and you're putting some healthy fat in it, that actually changes it. So Mm. I'm not like a full on no, but I am about variation and not having it all the time. Mm, good. Yeah, I just, I just want like rapid fire question too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I do, I do like the taste of coffee mm-hmm. and I have significantly reduced my coffee. Like it is a mm. once a month treat sort of thing for me now. Yeah. And I've, I've switched to tea too, but I, yeah. I love the flavor of tea. So, mm. okay. Second question, podcast or book? Ooh. Oh, can I say both? Yeah, you're allowed to say both. <laughs> yeah, both. I just, I get different things from them. Mm, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. So what did you eat for breakfast this morning? I have not had breakfast this morning because I'm an intermittent faster. So I've had my fat tea, which I have nice. right in front of me. Yeah. So lots I of good healthy it. fats in there. Yeah. So what kind of healthy fats do you put in your tea then? I'm, now I'm curious. Yeah. So I've got ghee in there. I've got cacao butter in there. So it's a chai tea. And then we have a um, powder called Catabo that we put in there that has some like MCT oil and whatnot. So it's, it's pretty full on. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is your first choice if you're going to order takeout? Oh, Thai. Mm, I love Thai food. Yeah. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Mm, you too. Yeah. yeah. And last but not least, because this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, and we love to talk about balance in every area, what does balance mean to you in this season? Mm, like in the winter season or the season of my life? Ooh, whichever you want to answer. Okay. So in the winter season, it actually, for me, means more rest and more time with myself and just going more internal so that I can birth something new in the spring and season of my life, what balance means to me is it's the the questioning that we talked about. It's just constantly understanding myself. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. And it it totally rounds out our conversation. It's my favorite Mm. question to ask at the end, because I feel like every guest has a unique answer and it somehow always relates to what we've been talking about. So, Mm. so beautiful. Oh my gosh, Sonia, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for your book. Um, I am so grateful for our conversation and I can't wait to share this episode. I know this is going to help so many women, including myself. Thank you. Thank you for your time and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? 
It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.